Welcome to the Bookish Life Podcast. This is Sarah. This is Bill Blackburn. I'm back with Bill Blackburn. I feel like I haven't seen you in a minute. I know. How uh, you been? Well, we certainly haven't recorded any of our interactions mm-hmm. in a minute. Uh, good. Isn't it a good thing that we don't record all of our interactions? Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that would be diminishing returns for our uh, our listeners for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Uh, even though we enjoy our conversations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we've read books, Sarah, since we, we were back. Have. Since we've been together last, we've been we've been reading. You have been much more prolific. Well, it's my job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of what I'm supposed, what to, you're do. supposed to do. And yeah. a lot of the books that I will talk about today, I read for our um, recent Stems and Stories mm-hmm. event, wine and book event that we did here in the shop. So there's a few there. If there is, on the off chance, anyone listening who doesn't know what Stems and Stories is, mm-hmm. what is it? So Stems and Stories is a it's like bi-monthly mm-hmm. usually. We did have a special event in July that I had to prepare for. Um, but it's basically I look at new books that are coming out that season, that month. Um, I read them and review them and send those reviews to a sommelier here in town. His name is Mark Burnett. And Mark painstakingly reads my reviews and mm-hmm. finds wines <laughs> to uh, kind of pair with them. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, I wish I paid more attention to Mark's reviews. Cause I'm usually like pouring wine uh-huh. and visiting with people yes. while he's uh, giving his spiel. But I do know, um, even with what I have picked up on, I've, I've learned a lot about winemaking and kind of what to think about and look for when you're, when you're drinking wine. Mm-hmm. And we've done things like, um, like vertical tastings and horizontal tastings. He's, he's talked about those. And, um, in July we did what he called a diagonal tasting and it just kind of depends on how the grapes are grown or like what region they're grown in and that kind of thing. Oh. So he, he really does a lot of, uh, of work, you know, he puts a lot of thought into when we first started this, um, I would sometimes have a wine expert, you know, helping me out. And sometimes I wouldn't, and I would just go in and go like, Oh, that label looks like it goes good with the book cover. <laughs> and so that's what we'd use. So we've come a long way, baby. Wow. And and it's a lot of fun. So anyway. If you've ever wanted to drink your book, yeah. This is it. This um, is your opportunity. So good. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I post like his little his pairings with my you know, I post them on on social media. Um, so you can kind of get a taste of how deep we go. Um, but it's a lot, a lot of fun. That's great. Okay, so so we've got three stems and stories books to kick us off. Yeah, we do. Okay, so um, the first one is called The End of August. Um, and this, It's the end of August. I know, right? Wow. Isn't that fitting? Oh, my gosh. Um, so that's, of course, one of the reasons I picked it up. Mm-hmm. This is a, a book in translation by you, Mary, is the author. Um, and she, her last book, oh, gosh, see, I, I prepared, but I didn't mm-hmm. prepare enough. Um, her last book won like the National Book Award for Translated Literature, um, and I think Mo- Molly Giles is the I probably got that wrong because um, I think that's a professor at the university. But anyway, um, the same translator has worked with her in this book. So the end of August is the story of another character with the author's name, Yumiri, who is um, working to connect with her grandfather, um, who was or maybe it was her great grandfather, who was an, uh, a marathon runner. Um, prepping for the Olympics. Okay. And that was going to take place in Japan. Yep. But it was, they were Korean. And so it was like they were running under the Japanese flag mm-hmm. and didn't really want to do that. So there's a whole lot of um, history I learned kind of about that time period. There's, I mean, there's all, it was 
tragic, <laughs> kind of catastrophic the way Japanese. This is when Japan occupied Korea. Korea. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, very similar to the World War II, you know, stories we hear yep. about, you know, the Germans occupying France or, or whatever. Right. Um, just really terrible, terrible atrocities occurred. Um, but anyway, the, the, the thing about this book that's so fascinating is she's writing kind of in the stream of consciousness as um, the, the narrator is running. And so you kind of get like, inhale, exhale, white space, uh -huh. and then a thought, and then white space, and then the breath. And you kind of see the thought she has while she's while she's running. Um, and sometimes they're real, really, really profound, and sometimes they're like, oh, my knee hurts. And so it really kind of puts you there. It was fascinating mm -hmm. to read. Um, as she's doing all this, she's also kind of summoning um, these ancient ghosts that bring back her grandfather and like their neighbor and like a comfort woman and yep. all these people from the time so she can kind of unpack um, their histories in order to move forward. So it's a bit of a ghost story, but ultimately it's sort of the way it was structured was unlike anything I've ever read before. Um, it was kind of exhausting, actually. Yeah. Kind of wore on you after. I mean, it was time. it was a good seven hundred and twenty pages. Oh so my it gosh! Wasn't, wasn't a quick read anyway. Yeah. Um, That's a long time. But the fact that it was so maybe experimental mm -hmm. in form made it even a little bit more difficult. But I think it was worth it. So if you, you know, if you like that kind of wacky ghost story, mm -hmm. historical fiction, creative formatting kind of thing, go for it. The end of August yeah. is for you. You know, I find I don't know about you. I don't read books that are formatted like that very mm -hmm. often that extremely mm -hmm. different, but I do read them that are, you know, they jump around in time, change perspectives, change, you know, person. Um, but uh, after I've read one of those, it's so comforting to read a book that's like done normally. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like with a, with, with more of an, a, a structure that I don't have to think so much about because mm -hmm. it does like, you're trying to comprehend the words mm -hmm. And then you're also trying to figure out the structure sure. of the book at the same time because it, it doesn't slot into any existing. Yeah, you can't just ease right into it. Yeah, you have to really yeah. work at it. And yes. you know, a lot. Of, usually, if you give yourself time to do that, it's it's almost always worth uh -huh. it. Um, but you do have to just sort of slow down and, and pace yourself. So it really kind of put me behind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I took yeah. a lot of time to to get through that. But um, and so in, uh, before we get too much further. I'll talk about the other two and then we can maybe visit about those. Mm -hmm. But the next book I read was called The Museum of Human History by Rebecca Bergman. Um, and I think you would really like this book, Phil. Emily um, here at the bookstore read this book as an advanced copy and said she read it in a day and mm -hmm. she loved it. Mm -hmm. And so the whole time I read it, I was like, I wonder what Emily liked about this book because it didn't feel like a typical Emily mm -hmm. book. Um, but this is the story of um, Maeve Willem and kind of her family, but she dies, she doesn't die, she has a drowning accident and is in a comatose state for like 30 years or something crazy. And so this book is centered around this, this girl who's eight when she has this accident and she never ages, never changes. Um, and all these people that kind of come in to sort of see her and the technology that advances around her um, and how it sort of affects people and so essentially it's kind of about aging the aging process uh -huh. so there's there's this new technology that that happens where people can stop the aging process but it makes them kind of forget things and forget their people and 
Um, so that's kind of problematic. Um, and then there's, um, of course, her, she has a twin sister. And so you see her age along, yeah. you know, beside her, but you know, she's not aging. And so there's all this talk about, you know, sort of the aging process and how we handle that, especially as women. Um, anyway, it was really fascinating. There was a museum curator who just spends his entire life trying to like make this perfect sort of curated place uh -huh. that nobody cares about as time goes on. Uh -huh. um, but it's almost like little vignettes uh -huh. of these people kind of surrounded by this technology and this girl that, that never changes and, and their, how it affects them. So Interesting. Yeah. So it is kind of a time. Yeah. It's really about time. Yeah. 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 I think it's also, you know, it's this really good kind of mixture of sort of fables or folk tales almost, you mm -hmm. know, this princess who's asleep waiting for someone to wake her up or whatever. Like there's kind of that mm -hmm. mixed with science fiction because we have these new technologies that people are, are fooling around with. Um, but it does. I think a lot of it is maybe commentary even on like the op opioid crisis and yeah. things like that and how we how we handle situations like that. But anyway, it was really good and it was a pretty quick read. Um, it wasn't formatted so crazy that you couldn't get yeah, through it. Yeah, and it wasn't 720 pages. No, it wasn't okay. 700. It was a little guy, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other book I read um, was a book of short stories by Stephen Milhauser. I'm not sure if you've read him before. It's called Disruptions. Mm -hmm. um, he has been around for a long time. He's written a lot for The New Yorker. Um, this was kind of fun. I love a good short story collection. Yep. You can read, you know, one or two stories and kind of be finished. And some of these were really short. Some of them were longer, but, and it was a good mixture of, um, kind of crazy, wacky stuff and, um, kind of nostalgic. There are a few that were kind of like set in the fifties and it mm -hmm. felt kind of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, wonder, the wonder years ish, you know? Yeah. So okay. it was, it was a really good kind of palate cleanser. I yeah. Think, it sounds like a good stretch. kind of, you know, book pyramid yeah. you know you had your kind of mm -hmm. experimental foreign book you had your kind of more conventional mm -hmm. book but with some heavier serious themes or interesting themes and then you had your short stories yeah yeah everything i also did the Connollys of county down but i think i talked about that in a previous mm -hmm. podcast so pick that up later if you want but, okay right, tell me what you've read uh i read two books so i will start with um lone women by victor lavelle um this was uh, a book, it's set in early 20th century America. Um, our heroine is an African-American woman, um, and her family has what's called a burden. Mm -hmm. And uh, the burden turns out to be this kind of like, for lack of a better way of explaining it, demonic sister or like supernatural sister who like is a like a flying, it, like a kind of a vampire type dragon type creature oh, like a fury yeah yes yes and uh and so she she it kills her parents she runs away to montana um she homesteads um and the title lone women is about these four women um who have all homesteaded in montana for various reasons and those kind of unfold as the book progresses and then their conflict with kind of um, some of the more conventional leadership in the nearby town, um, particularly this one family uh, who are kind of the matriarch and patriarch of the, of the town. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I thought it was pretty good. I've Um, heard good things about it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, it, it, yeah, I would say it was pretty good. It was pretty interesting. I done, I didn't feel like real stretched or pulled Mm -hmm. in any way, um, about during it. Uh, but I also feel like it's a good thing to read. I was interested, like, so, uh, Victor Lavelle's a a white guy Hmm. and, um, you know, with an African-American heroine, but it works apparently like nobody, I don't know that that book's been protested. I haven't heard. So it must be fine. Um, he certainly, I'm not an African-American woman, uh, with a demonic, uh, sister, but I felt like it was a fair representation of (laughs) what that (laughs) that might be like. Uh, so anyway, no, and it was, you know, I think, um, certainly lots of magical realism, certainly some supernatural horror elements like if they made it into a movie there are parts that i think would be quite scary i wonder why he chose to have his character to be a black woman i don't know Hmm. i don't know um you know i think he's he's building like the story he's building is one around social alienation here which is why he's placed him in like western montana they're not it's not like the pretty part really it's out in the plains um they've gone there all of them to get away Mm -hmm. Um, they, and initially they kind of function within the society there, but then as things kind of unfold, um, there, there's difficulties. Like, I don't want, if, if you, the problem, reason I'm not talking as directly about it is cause like there's stuff that unfolds. I don't want to give away if people read sure, it. So yeah. I don't want to get into no like, spoilers. what's the issue here, but mm-hmm. it certainly deals with themes of sexuality, mm-hmm. um, and relationships that have to be, uh, kept hidden. Um, and it didn't go where I thought yeah. in, in those, those ways. Like, and there's like a, there's a ghost town, which is pretty fun. Like there's the little encounter with these ghosts. I mean, it's, Aww. it's pretty like cool. that, that part, that scene was really nice. Um, anyway, and, uh, yeah. the imagery that he builds of like the, the demon, like flying over the Montana plain at night. I mean, it's, it's, there's some pretty good parts in it. So I think certainly if you're a fan of, of like horror or, uh, or, yeah. If you're a fan of horror, I think you'll like it. If you're a fan of westerns, mm-hmm. I think you'll like it. Okay. Um, I like both. Yeah. So that was... I just finished that book. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sipping our coffee. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Pause for sip. Um, okay. Well, I'll talk about um, the next couple here. So I have um, a book called The Art, Th- Art Thief by Michael Finkel. And this is the nonfiction book that I read. Mm-hmm. The alone nonfiction book, I guess, that I read this, this month. Um, and this is fascinating. It's the story of Stephen Breitweiser mm-hmm. and Anne Katrine, his girlfriend. Um, do you know about these guys? Nope. Oh, man. I guess it was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Maybe the late 80s, early 90s. They went around Europe just... Stealing art? Latently stealing art. Yeah. Um, over 300 pieces. And he would... The thing that kept him from the authorities for so long is he didn't sell it. He kept it. Like, he loved art. And as, you know, he eventually did get caught, um, but it was like, um, so in this, in the book, he kind of talks about Breitweiser's theory, mm-hmm. like what his favorite, he loved oil paintings, mm-hmm. that was his favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved like really old stuff. When we start getting into like the Renaissance, he was like, oh, you guys are getting too whatever. Yeah. Getting too crazy. He wasn't a big fan of like modernism or anything like that. Um, loved things like silver. That was his uh-huh. like, little silver platters and faces and things like that. Um, And so, yeah, they would just go all over Europe 
stealing crazy stuff okay. and lasted for you know a good decade or so mm-hmm. his girlfriend started getting kind of like you know didn't like it um and as all crooks the things that happen with all, every good criminal is their hubris gets the best of them and um, he does eventually go down but it was just a fascinating kind of uh, profile of this guy and how he didn't do anything that the authorities, you know, a lot of people who still art don't do it, don't know anything about art. You know, mm-hmm. they're just trying to make a quick dollar. So he was really meticulous mm-hmm. about how he did it. And he would do it like right, and he would go on art tours, mm-hmm. like with, have a tour guide and be able to, to take things. It wow. was crazy. Um, so it was a fun little, yep. little true crimey kind of read. Um, and then I read a book for our book club for, for this month. Where are we in? What month are we in? We're almost to September. Okay, so you'll be listening to this in September. Our book club in August for our Mostly Fiction, we did a book called Cutting Teeth by Chandler uh, Baker. And not a whole lot of people really loved this book. The more I talked about it with folks and the more I think about it, I kind of like it a bit more. It's the story of these three women, three different types of mothers, right? Mm -hmm. They parent in a bunch of different ways. And they all have four-year-olds in the same preschool class. Yep. And it's a class kind of like like your church, connected to a church, mm-hmm. right? So there's like this pastor that's kind of in and out all the mm-hmm. time, Pastor Ben. Yep. Um, he's real hip and cool with mm-hmm. tattoos. and So like me. Immediately a red flag, though. I mean, he's a little creepy. He's a little creepy. Anyway, um, so that's kind of the, the setting. And these three women all have very different ideas about how to parent their chi- children. Um, anyway, these these this class, this one particular class, these kids start craving blood. Yep. And so they don't like vampire bite mm-hmm. their neck or anything, but anytime someone cuts themselves, they're like drinking the blood and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it becomes kind of this normalized thing where these parents start like bleeding themselves mm-hmm. so their kids can drink blood. They have sippy cups of blood, blah, blah, blah. Which I have to say sounds so on brand for <laughs> modern parenting, right? If right. my kid wants blood, I'm going to give them blood. 100%. Like, oh my you should have come to book club. Because yeah. I think that, like, that part of the book was mm-hmm. a little, I mean, it, it didn't all kind of flow together. But then you had these three women, and you kind of followed their stories, too. And it was just kind of fascinating. Like, the dialogue was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You have this detective interviewing four-year-olds, which was hilarious, trying to get to the bottom of, there is a murder that takes place. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, I think, I think yeah, I think Baker was like, what, how far can I go? where parents, where people will think parents would actually do that. Yeah. But some people would be like, would they? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think drinking your blood is the thing. So it's like a, it. it's like a satire of modern parenting. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Oh, then yeah, I think I would like that. Cause I, like, I have real questions. I, you know, <laughs> I think everyone was kind of hoping that we would have some reason these kids were doing it mm-hmm. and, and there really no. wasn't. Um, but that wasn't the point. Right. The point was these women were like, take my blood child. Yes. I'll do anything for you. Yes. Um, but it was. I think. Um, I think it was really interesting. And like I said, Baker is really good at writing dialogue and interpersonal relationship situations. She does a really great job with that. So you were a teacher, uh-huh. right? Like you've spent a lot of time around kids and parents. Mm-hmm. When did this change? Where, like, when do you feel like there was a cultural trigger? Because this was not. It was not how I was raised. Sure. And I don't. I'm not saying that in a like back in my day way. I'm just contrasting. No, I right? think that's like great. When, when I was young, like it was much more of a slotting into my parents' lives. Yeah, you did what they right. wanted you to do. And mm-hmm. and and there wasn't now 
there is a lot more of um, you can't like your your child has to be allowed to do what they want sure. or like and be completely accommodated in every situation. And I, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to get into a culture war argument here or anything like that. I feel like I need to offer a disclaimer. And my kids are a little older. They're 15 and and 17. Um, You know, your Kate's how old? 22. 22. So we're a little different generation than what's happening now. But what, like, do you, did you see a, like, looking back on it, do you see a trigger? Do you see a moment when things started to change around this? Yeah, we definitely had this conversation because in our book club group, there were, you know, several people who didn't have kids yet. Mm-hmm. They were younger in their twenties. Right. And then some of us have grown kids and some of mm-hmm. us are kind of in the thick of it still. And so we kind of talked about the pressures these women faced, mm-hmm. right? Um and yeah, I don't know if I can pinpoint one specific time, but I do remember thinking like when Cade was little and he, you know, we were like MySpace was the social mm-hmm. media platform mm-hmm. that we used. Oh yeah. Um and there just wasn't a whole lot of compa- like I never posted the birthday parties uh-huh. that we did uh-huh. or, you know, his bedroom whenever right. he was born. Like we didn't have that kind of pressure mm-hmm. that, you know, and I don't know if, I don't know if it's my age, my personality, what it is. Like even if I were just now at childbearing age, right. if I would do that, right? you know, but it's definitely something that you see a lot mm-hmm. of. Like you have to have the perfect nursery. You yes. have to have make sure that this is the food that you're feeding them and all this kind of, and it's just, you're inundated with it. And Uh so, I mean, we, in our conversation about this book, hundred percent agreed that social media played a huge role Mm -hmm. in the pressures that women have. That, that being said, when my kid was little and my mom was going to come to my house, I made sure my house was clean and my laundry was done. Um, you know, mm-hmm. didn't have crap all over the floor because I had that pressure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that women have always had pressure. Like, we have to do things a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just now we have to make a lot of money and keep the house clean and raise perfect children mm-hmm. and put it all on social media. It's a lot. And you're saying that's too much? I feel like you can handle it. <laughs> I mean, I can do it. Right. I'm just kidding. We've all seen Barbie, though. So that's we, right. You know. We we know. Um but I think yeah. she did a good job of kind of showing you uh-huh. how that pans out, you yeah. know, when you're kind of in the thick of it and, you know, you kind of lose sight of your partner uh-huh. and, um, you know, it's, uh-huh. it was a very, I think, crazy yeah. um, gimmick, I guess, with uh-huh. the blood sucking thing. Uh-huh. But I think the interpersonal relationships uh-huh. were, were super authentic and, okay. and interesting. I don't know if I answered your question. No, it does. Yeah. I mean, I think so. So what you're saying I'm is saying social, social media. media. And, yeah. and I think that's probably when you look at a lot of stuff, it's the ability to expose or receive massive amounts of yeah. really useless information sure, that just yeah. makes things worse. I mean, I mean, the, uh, yeah. So no, I, I get that. And you I know, mean, like, my kid's nursery was based on what was on sale at JC Penney right. on the credit card. Right. You know, it wasn't like some aesthetic that we had. No, no, it was not Instagrammable Mm-mm. is what you're saying. Uh-huh. I mean, it was pretty cute, but I mean, it wasn't like that yeah. was not, it was, yeah. So yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Certainly something to yeah, chew on Yeah, I'll have there. to get you a copy of the book. It was great. Um, and then I read The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donoghue, um, and I loved this book. Mm-hmm. It was good old Irish girl in the 90s, just graduated college, lives with a guy named James. He's gay, mm-hmm. and it's kind of their, their romp through you know the world 
um, at the end of their at the end of her college career. Mm-hmm. Um, the people she dates and the people he dates. Um, there is a Professor Byrne that she has in school that ends up kind of um, being one of James's lovers, mm-hmm. and then she becomes um, she works for the wife mm-hmm. um, for a publishing company, and so there's some of that. It's just it's just a fun Irish in the nineties. Okay. Yeah, good throwback. It was okay. really good. All right, no big takeaway. It's just a fun book. I mean, there probably are, but, but you did. There's, I mean, I think there's probably some commentary. I didn't realize how strict the abortion laws were in Ireland. So there's that. Um, but, you know, it was, it was good. It was really interesting. Okay. It was fun. Yeah. All right. Let's talk fun. about that. I'll let you talk about your last one, and I'll talk about my big one that changed my life. Okay. Um, I'll go very briefly here. Uh, so I just, I was continuing to wrap up my Cormac McCarthy reading. So oh, I read No good. Country for Old Men. Okay. If you saw the movie... The reason I had not read it was because I'd seen the movie, and watching the movie, I was like, I bet this is pretty close, mm-hmm. even the dialogue. Yeah. And I was, and it's, it is incredibly close. So, like, if you, if you, if you've seen the movie, and you like Cormac McCarthy, I don't know, you need to read No Country for Old Men. There's a couple little, little things in there, but by and large, it's gonna, it's, I mean, to the, to the word. Did he have anything to do with the film? I don't know, but I mean, it was adapted. I wonder Why? if he was on set or anything. I don't, it doesn't sound like something he would do. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Come on in. <laughs> Getting a delivery. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry about no, that. No, you're okay. No um. Anyway. Do South delivery guys. Yeah. Come get your do South. Um. All right. So yeah. Yep. No takeaways? I mean, it's an interest I mean, to me, the the main character in that is the is the villain Anton Chigurh. Have you seen the movie? Yeah. yeah. So I mean he was played by uh, Javier Bardem in the movie brilliantly. Yeah, I thought so I mean good. he won an Oscar, I think, for it. Uh-huh. Um Wasn't and, that the movie too with like no music at all? Yeah, no music. Oh, a um Coen Brothers film. Mm-hmm. Um and and so Chigurh's kind of uh inevitability uh contrasted with the dawning reality that i think in the sheriff and played by tommy lee jones in the movie ed tom bell like the dawning reality that there's an inevitability to evil in the world like mccarthy plays with that theme a lot i tend to see it as religious other people see it as nihilistic um but it doesn't matter uh but but to me that's the interesting thing about it is 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 how that like functions and and Ed Tom Bell's understanding that he is not equipped to deal with the presence of this type mm-hmm. of evil. Yeah. And um, and Shigur's kind of just complete indifference. The, the scenes where he flips coins are just brilliant, yeah. I think. Um, absolutely spectacular. And the way, anyway, the way that, that he kind of deals with that inevitability um, yeah, I okay. think it's great. Cool. I'll have to rewatch. Yeah, I think I it's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I think, yeah, probably the only the only McCarthy that's going to be successfully adapted yeah. is that one. They tried all the pretty horses and it didn't, didn't really like work. The road? 
Oh, I didn't watch the road because oh, I just well, I just couldn't handle some of the stuff I knew was going to be in there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, reading it was bad enough. I I didn't need like the road is not my favorite of yeah. his books, mm-hmm. um, although I think it's the most hopeful. Ironically, mm-hmm. uh, so that one I feel like is like about the inevitability of good. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a completely collapsed world, and yet there is still a, 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 a little, a little enclave that has mm-hmm. refuses to give in. Sure. So it's like you have in that one, you have like an Anton Chigurh world, mm-hmm. and you have a little tiny pocket of Ed Tom Bell versus the opposite of sure. No Country for Old Men. I haven't. I, I watched the film. I can't remember what I did first. I think I read it first and then watched it when it mm-hmm. came out. But it, they were so far apart that I yeah. can't remember yeah. how close they were. But um, it would be a good conversation of adapta- film adaptations. Yes. Like, you know, loose adaptations versus really close ones and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But Yeah, so I'm done with, with McCarthy all right, for good. quite we're a moving while. moving on. Yep. Very good. But I do. But I'm one of my favorite authors. I feel like this is... I don't know how many people have loved these two authors, but one of my other like top, top authors just released a book. Zadie Smith. Oh, yes, I know. It, it should be here today. I love Zadie Smith, yeah. so I'm very excited that and she... And it's a novel. Yes. Yeah, I haven't she read a has, novel. She, it's been a while. Yeah, it, for a minute. I think it was NW... What, NW19 was the last one? I don't think I've ever one? read any of her novels. Really? I've just done her essays. Oh, man. On Beauty's so good. Okay. So good. Yeah. I do like Zadie Smith. Yes. And she's exactly our age, which is nice. It is the title. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's exciting. So we'll talk about that next. She'll be coming up at some point on one of these podcasts. I'm just warming, warning sure. everybody. For sure. Um, well, I just read a book um, by Daniel Krauss, who I didn't know anything about, but it turns out I have a couple of his books on the shelf already. This um, He does this middle grade mm-hmm. series, They Stole Our Hearts, which is based off of a video game. Mm-hmm. So he typically writes kind of hor- zombie, a lot of zombie stuff oh, and yeah. horror. Mm-hmm. He also did The Shape of Water, mm-hmm. um, which was a movie with Guillermo del Toro, right? Yeah. He did that. So he, I think, wrote the novel adaptation of that film. Okay. Um, he's done a lot of stuff in like Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, his newest book is called Whalefall, and Phil, it blew me away. It was really? So good. Okay. So you know how I love a good human animal combo, mm-hmm. right? So this is a story of Jay Gardner. He's 17 years old. His father has just died. He um, committed suicide after kind of a long bout with cancer. And um, but before he even got sick, him and Jay were estranged. Mm-hmm. So um, we see at the beginning of this book, Jay is suiting up to go for a dive. They're both divers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the story is told back and forth between like the amount of air Jay has left, you know, 2,597 PSI or whatever. And then a year, 2014. Mm-hmm. And so in the years we see him and Mitt, his dad, um, interact and kind of see what they were like together and sort of, sort of the falling out and how all that occurs. We see meet his mother and his two sisters, um, and then, then we realize that he's diving for his father's remains. So his dad's been dead a year. He's going diving in the spot where he killed himself to like bring his remains back. It's beautiful. I mean, the writing is unlike anything I've ever read. Um, we had a conversation. I was talking about dialogue in our book club with Cutting Teeth and how great it was and how sometimes authors, in, a, in an effort to be really authentic, their dialogue gets kind of lost, you know? They're like, 
this is how they would talk in 1897. So this is the only yeah. way we can talk in our book. And it kind of loses me sometimes. And it's almost like you have to go beyond authenticity to create that real, Yeah. you know what yeah. I mean, to like yeah. capture you. And yeah. that's what Daniel Krauss does so well. Because the things the 17-year-old is thinking, they're not like normal 17-year-old right. thoughts. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just so beautiful. So he's like, you know, visualizing what all is going on. Anyway, in the middle of his dive, and this isn't really a spoiler, he's swallowed by a whale. Mm-hmm. And it is high stakes thriller as he is surviving inside this whale. It is the craziest thing I've ever read. I'll so are we playing with themes of Jonah here or is that just, uh, I think Krauss would be like, eh, I think, um, I mean, certainly you actually listened to a podcast and he was like, yeah, we see people in whales all over history throughout mm-hmm. our mythology. Yeah. Right. But no one ever took it seriously. Uh-huh. Like how, how would this work? How does this look? Uh-huh. And so he worked with like three different whale scientists yeah. and a diver uh-huh. and all of the things that we see happen inside this whale could possibly happen. Oh, and it's crazy. How exciting. Things like, you know, this great big, the colossal squid that whale eat, you know, the great big 30 yeah. foot long yeah. squid, they can't digest their, there's a part of their body. They can't like their heart or something uh-huh. that's like calcified. And so in the belly of these whales, you just have these little, little sharp, pieces of the squid that they can't ever digest. Wow. So it just stays in their belly. Plastic bags mm-hmm. you find. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, anything they swallow, they can't digest. just sits in that first mm-hmm. stomach. They have four stomachs. Okay. Anyway, anyway um, I just learned so much about whales. It was beautiful. You know, they go up to take their last breath if they're, you know, aging whales and they're going to die. And then they just, the whale fall is them going to the bottom of the ocean. And, and how for hundreds of years, these whale carcasses create their own like ecosystems yes. and um, it was just the most beautiful thing I've ever read. Oh. I loved it so much. It was so good. And it did. Like I, I stayed up all night to finish it. Mm-hmm. I told Matthew, I've got to see if this kid gets out of this well. <laughs> like I don't know how uh-huh. he could do it. Like uh-huh. it seems impossible. But and I won't tell you if he makes it or not. Okay. But it's also a very spiritual book uh-huh. without really a God presence, more yeah. like a nature uh-huh. kind of thing. Yeah. It was just it was, yep. it was a perfect book. Great. Whale fall. Whale Big fall. winner. Daniel Krauss. Okay. It is going to be, because I have to talk about it for the rest of the year, so it's going to be our October book club. Okay. Pick, so I'm very excited about that. But anyway, yeah. That's what right. I read in August. Okay. Well, next time we convene, uh, I believe we're going to talk about a book we that are. we are both going to read. It'll be book club. Book club edition. time. Yeah. What mm-hmm. book is this that we're reading? We're going to read Monsters, mm-hmm. A Fan's Dilemma by Claire Dieterer. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know, Phil. I'm on chapter three. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I can't really pinpoint why. I just think you're going to have some problems with her arguments. Oh, maybe, yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I, so far, I don't. I, I think that she's looking at. So, essentially, this is the story or a collection of not really essays, but sort of her thoughts about um, media. Mm-hmm. And rather than looking at, like, Roman Polanski, for instance. Everybody can get on board with not liking that guy. Well, I mean, she says, but his films are great. Yeah. Right? He's a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some trauma yeah. in his life. Yep. Made some bad decisions. Made some bad decisions. Um, there's a section where she talks about, a, like, she calls it the stain. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of doesn't matter 
once it's out there, you're, it's a stain. And so you just can't, even if you are the kind of person that's like, art, you got to separate the art from the artist, which I say all the time, it's still stained. Yeah. Right? There's still yes. a blemish there. Um, so she, she's kind of looking at it from the fan's perspective, uh-huh. like what our role is and how we can carry on yep. uh, whenever we love great films or, mm-hmm. or art um, and we find out about I mean it's also a lot easier to find out about people than it used to be yes it is you know so um, anyway so she kind of she unpacks a lot of that for us and, and I think it's really interesting yeah um, so yeah I'm curious to see what you think but that's what we'll talk about in our next podcast yeah yeah you know as a big sports fan you run into this all the time she did say that <laughs> she was like so- Naming a bunch of like, yes. at the beginning, she's like listing some of the people, and then she listed a couple of athletes, and she goes, if we do athletes, we're going to be here all day. We really will, and uh, yeah, so that's something certainly I've put a lot of thought into, of like, where are the lines yeah. for me? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, J.K. Rowling, that's what she's talking about now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just such a sad situation, because it was such a, a place of comfort and solace for queer kids, mm-hmm. you know, whenever mm-hmm. she came out. Yeah, the books came out, um, so that's really kind of an interesting conversation. But anyway, yeah. so we'll talk about that. I'll try to break it down by chapter by chapter and pinpoint some yep some key topics, and we'll uh, talk about it. Yeah, boy, we don't have to get all into this now. But the J.K. Rowling one, you go back to social media. This conversation does not exist in a pre-social media yeah. age. No one cares. Yeah, like no one, like she would have said something in an article mm-hmm. that a handful of people would have read. And no one would have Certainly cared. not the 12 year olds that loved her. Right. Or whatever. Right. And, but the ability to, to both get exposure to what mm-hmm. she said and then to feed off the outrage mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't actually feel when you first thought about it, but then as you heard this or immersed yourself more into that, you got more outrage. She just doesn't back down though. That's her thing. Right. <laughs> you know, and listen, she, this is the, this is the challenge of, of liberal democracies. Sure. You don't have to. No, Nobody no. has to back down yeah. unless you commit a felony or yell fire in a crowded movie theater. You don't have to back down. Yeah. So it's like, we all have to deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what, that's our dilemma. Right. How, do, we How do you deal with it? And you know, anyway, so, okay, no, that's, that's interesting. There was something else she talked about that I thought was kind of fascinating. I think it was Cosby. She was kind of comparing Bill Cosby, but if you go back and watch, I think it was, no, it was Woody, Woody, Woody Allen. Allen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you can go back and look at Woody Allen movies and go, ooh, mm-hmm. ooh yeah, mm-hmm. maybe we should have known better. Yeah, or whatever. right. But with Cosby, when you go back and watch the Cosby show, like, he was just this wholesome. Right. Like, right. like he did so many things that it really kind of threw people off. But anyway, um, there you go. That's what yeah. we'll talk. We'll talk more about it next Two week. Two weeks. Yeah. We haven't, Phil next? hasn't even read it yet. Hasn't, I've not read it. And so. We're already talking. So it should right. be a good be conversation. Great. Have a great day. Yeah. Enjoy your September. We're, Hopefully we're it there. cools off eventually. It's already cool. It's only 92. That's right. We're winning. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Read a great book.